Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. We're in our prayer series. I've done at least one prayer series, as it were, every year since we started. But I've always done a prayer series in regard to types of prayer or how to pray. Uh, for example, we did a series through the Lord's Prayer. And then we talked about intercessory prayer and um, victorious prayer. And then I picked out stories in the Bible, scriptures in the, scripture, in the, in the Word of God, to show how to pray. That's not the intent of this sermon series, just so you know. I'm not trying to teach you how to pray. I'm trying to show you the heart for prayer. Because until you have a heart for prayer, how you pray is going to be irrelevant. Because you can say the most simple words or nothing at all but groans and moans. And God will hear that and understand what you're saying. It's your heart for prayer we're trying to get at. And if we can expose your heart for prayer, you'll meet God there. Amen? And so last week we started this prayer series with dependent prayer. And I wanted to start there on purpose because we need to first understand what it is to be dependent in prayer, to have a heart dependent on prayer. A heart dependent on prayer is relentless as we talked about last week. It never gives up. It pursues. It's persistent. It is continuous. This is the heart we should have for prayer. But it's not only relentless, it's relational. It understands that the only way we have an opportunity to pray is because we belong to God through Christ Jesus. And so we have a relentless pursuit of prayer that is relational. And because it's relational, we must also understand that it's reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to pray in the Spirit to build up our most holy faith. Amen? Now, whether that's praying in tongues or that's just praying, to be praying, you should be led by the Spirit in your prayers. And so we talked about that. And those three things, if we can understand those that persistence, the fact that we can come to God like our own dad and we're reliant on the Holy Spirit to pray with the way we ought, then we can build a dependence in prayer. That dependence in prayer should cause us to be devoted to prayer, to have a devotion to prayer. Because let me tell you, if I can understand that God loves me, that he's empowered me by his Holy Spirit, then I'm more confident to be devoted to a thing. And so today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about devotion to prayer, devoted prayer, a dedicated, loyal, dutiful prayer life and what it means and why it matters. We should all have a consistent, constant, faithful pursuit of prayer. It's going to sound like I'm repeating myself a lot. And for this series, I am, because the ideas are very simple. But I would love to drill them down into your spirit. We have to be, above all things, people of relationship with God. And relationship happens in intimacy. Intimacy happens in conversation. And that's what prayer is. 
when I first met my wife, it was weird, right? Like she, we weren't sure how to talk to each other. I didn't say she was weird. I said the conversations were weird. <laughs> she was a little weird. Not me, though. All right, I need y'all to focus. But the conversation was a little bit awkward. It was weird. And so we had to learn how to communicate. And in our learning to communicate, the communication became easier, simpler. It flowed better. And our intimacy grew. Amen? This thing, we should expect that same thing in our devotion to prayer with God. That as we pursue it, as we can maintain a faithfulness to it, as we maintain a dutiful attitude towards prayer, that those conversations will get easier. Because I know we all, from time to time, go, man, I pray, and then I pray, and then I, you know, I'll get distracted, and then I'll pray, and then I'll get distracted, and then I get frustrated, and I quit. How many of you guys, when you were dating your husband or your wife, didn't have those same kind of conversations that you eventually worked through, and now that conversation is fluid and easy and a lot of times beautiful? Amen? This is what we're striving for. We have to be devoted to prayer because to lose our devotion to prayer is to lose our devotion to our purpose. And I want to tell you a story about maintaining devotion to purpose. Because if we lose our purpose, which I'm going to talk about today, why we have a devoted heart for prayer, if we lose our purpose, we've lost everything. There was, a, there was once a dangerous unnamed seacoast where ships would often wreck on the beach, would often be shipwrecked on the beach. The, the waves were tumultuous. It was just one of those places where no matter what the weather was like, there were always constant waves crashing against the beach. And there were two or three people that for whatever reason had devoted themselves, had committed themselves to manning that beachhead. And so they built a hut and they stay in it. They had a little rickety boat with very, just barely put together rickety boat. And they would stay in that hut and day and night they would take turns going out into the ocean and searching for people that were dying. And they did this consistently. And this was their, devo they were devoted to it, absolutely committed to saving those who were drowning. And then this happened. They saved somebody. And then they saved somebody else. And then they were able to save somebody else. And those that they saved got, ex got inspired to do what they were doing. And so they joined them. They were, Man, I want to be part of what you're doing. And so they became devoted to help. Eventually, so many people became devoted to help that there was no room in this, in this hut anymore. The one boat, the one rickety boat wasn't big enough or was, they needed more to accomplish the goal. So they tore down the old hut. They built a nicer hut, nicer house, put in nicer accommodations. They bought new equipment, new boats, and they still went out day and night looking for those that had been lost or those that were lost. And they did this until one day they realized that they had lost their zeal to leave the comfort of their new house. That life-saving had become boring and monotonous and a disruption to their own personal comfort. And now, if you go there, 
all across that beachhead are shipwrecks where those who were committed at one time to save the lost decided that they would sit in their comfort instead. This is the danger of the church if we don't stay devoted to prayer. If we don't allow ourselves to stay devoted to prayer and allow God to fire our purpose, then this is what's going to happen to us. We're going to get comfortable. We're going to build a big place. It's going to be nice. More people are going to come because more people got saved. More people got served. And then they're going to grow comfortable too. And then we end up just being a place where people all around us are dying and we're comfortable. This is what was happening in Ephesus. This is the reason why Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Because he wanted him to be consciously aware that this was happening, could continue to happen, and how to make it stop. And this is what he told him. 1 Timothy chapter, I'm going to start in chapter 1, verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. So he's saying, listen, there's going to be some of you, there's some amongst you, maybe some amongst you already that have lost themselves, lost their devotion, have been shipwrecked. Let me give you two examples. These two guys have lost their devotion, and so we've turned them over to the enemy that they may not learn not to blaspheme. Now, that's a whole other teaching. That sounds harsh. How are you going to turn somebody over to the enemy? When you turn somebody over to the enemy, they come to a place where they realize they've got nothing but God, and they turn back to God. And so that's a whole other teaching, but that's what he's saying. Some of you are shipwrecked already. Some of the people around you are shipwrecked already. Let me show you how to fix that. And this is what he says. Verse 1, chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. How many men? All men. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men, who, how many men? To be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And then I love how he puts this in parentheses, just make sure Timothy's paying attention. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. Is that that funny to you? Like nobody ever thought Paul would be lying anyway. But I think he was just that adamant. I tell you the truth, I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Isn't that amazing? Let me explain to you why I think this passage is amazing. Because he said, some of you are going to get shipwrecked. Some of, you, some of the people amongst you are already shipwrecked. The people around you could be potentially shipwrecked. 
He doesn't say, I want you to go do some outreach. I want you to build some steps so that the handicapped can get in their house. I want you to feed the homeless. He didn't say any of that. You know what he said? He said, first of all, pray. Everything has to start with prayer. I'm not saying you shouldn't build ramps, that you shouldn't feed the hungry, that you shouldn't house the homeless. I am telling you that those things, unmotivated and unfounded in prayer, are fruitless things. He says this, he says, first of all then, he starts that on purpose this way. I love that the Holy Spirit is so smart. Because he says, before I get started, let's keep first things first. You better be people of prayer. First things first. Be people of prayer. I'm going to say it again. First things first, be people of prayer. I've heard people say this ridiculous thing. Well, man, I guess I can pray for you, or the least I could do is pray for you. Bro, do you not understand what prayer is? Prayer is the best thing you can do for me. It is the greatest thing you can do for me. You know what? You can give me money. That money is going to be gone. You can give me stuff, that stuff's going to be gone. You're going to be, you can, you can give me comfort. At some point, I'm going to be uncomfortable. You can encourage me. At some point, I'm going to be discouraged. But you know what you can do? You can first of all then pray for me. Because if you pray for me, you're, you're asking that God, the omnipotent, all-powerful creator of the universe, move on my behalf. And I think he's capable of providing my need more than you are. Not that I don't love you and appreciate you, but let's keep first things first. He said, we have to keep first things first. I, don't, I want you to understand that God is capable, strong enough, willing to, desires to take care of you. Do you hear, me say, do you, do you hear what I'm saying, church? Why do we pray first? We pray first. We may remain devoted in prayer first because God loves us. Devoted prayer understands its audience. We are that audience. And he's strong enough to take care of us. Let me read this to you. Psalm 68, 34 through 35. I love the psalmist. He says, ascribe strength to God. Which means, can you just attribute that God is, could you attribute strength to God? Can you, can you understand how strong your God is? Can you describe to me how strong your God is? He asked Job questions like that. How about you tell me stuff that I don't know? Ascribe strength to God. His majesty is over Israel. His strength is in the skies. Oh, God, you are awesome from your sanctuary. That means he's awesome and strong from everywhere. He's over Israel. He's over the skies. He's awesome in his own sanctuary. The God of Israel himself gives strength and power to the people. Blessed be God. You know why I can pray first? Because God is powerful. God is strong. God is capable. All things come from the provisional hands of God. And so before we get shipwrecked, before we get sideways, let's keep first things first. First of all then, and then he says this, pray. Pray all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. He says, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. 
All men. Y'all got somebody you don't like? How many in here, like right when I said that, somebody's head, I, face popped in your head? Y'all liars. Right? Because that's my idea. Like seven. A couple of y'all in here. No, I'm just playing. But it doesn't say the people we like. It says all men. We should pray prayers of entreaty, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving on behalf of all men. Let me explain to you what that means. Entreaties are humble requests. Prayers are just general prayers. Petitions are prayers where you ask for stuff. And thanksgiving is where you just pray to thank God for what you already have. How many of you guys have ever stopped and just never asked God for anything in a prayer time and just poured out thanksgiving to God? You should. Because you have everything that you have because God gave it to you. And he deserves a thank you from time to time. When I was a kid, all of you guys, most of, most of you guys have kids or have seen them on TV or something. When I was a kid, I can remember the ice cream truck would drive down our street. And I wanted a, one of those cannonball pops. Y'all remember cannonball pop? It was red, white, and blue. The top of it had a gumball on it. It was like 35 cents or something. It was nothing. And so I'd go run, hit somebody up, usually my papa, my granny, my mama, something like that, just say, hey, can I have 35 cents? And then she'd give me 35 cents, and I'd run down the ice cream truck. I'd get my ice cream. Next day, because during the summer, they come every day. They're, they're good businessmen. They know kids going to want that 35-cent pop, right? So they come back. I ask for 35 cents again. I get 35 cents again. I get another pop. Next day, 35 cents again. I get another rocket pop. 35 cents, another rock pop. This happens all summer long. How long do you think it would happen if after about the third time I never said thank you one time? I tell you, my granny and my papa wouldn't give me anything. If you can't appreciate what you've already been given, why would I give you anything else? We need to be thankful for God, to God. Now, kids these days, they're asking for $2,500 laptops and stuff like that. I don't know, they could just be thankful for something else. <laughs> but the idea is to be thankful. Not only should we be thankful for the thankful's sake, but thankful proves something. When I'm thankful to God, when I say, God, this is what I need, just to stick with the analogy, God, I need 35 cents. I thank you for providing that 35 cents. You know, a lot of times I pray a prayer, say thank you before I receive that which I got, before God actually delivers 35 cents. You know why? Because I have an expectation that God, according to his promises, will answer my prayer. So it not only proves trust when you're thanksgiving, but shows that you actually do appreciate that which you've been given. Amen. So we should be people of prayer, petition, which means not scared to ask God for things according to his word. Don't go asking God for anything you're not going to find in his word because you have no guarantee of such things. That we should make humble requests because a man that's not humble shouldn't expect to receive anything from God on behalf of all men. That's all men. That's, that's you too. On you, on people you like, on people you don't like. The greatest thing you can do for your enemy is pray for them. The best way to make your enemy your friend is to pray for them. There's a, I read a book, it's called The Pastor. 
uh, the guy that wrote the Message Bible. I can't remember what his name is. But there's a biography on his. He's, he's got an autobiography. And somebody asked him one time, or he asked his daddy, I'm sorry, Daddy, how come people everywhere in this town love you? And he said, because I make a point to say something nice about them after they leave the room. That's what we do in our prayer when we pray for people. We, set, we present them before God when they're not in the room. You don't think God will change their heart to you or maybe your heart to them? And I don't like them. You can't hate them and pray for them at the same time. It's impossible. And then he goes on. He says, for kings and for all who are in authority. <laughs> you must have lost your mind talking crazy to me. So that, we will may, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and integrity. Pray for everyone, including those in authority. Angela spoke a moment ago about the world we live in and how upside down it is. I posted a post on Facebook sometime earlier this week, the day it actually happened, that we pray for Ukraine and the Ukrainian leaders, that they have supernatural wisdom and that they be able to endure persecution and all of these kinds of things. You know who else we're supposed to be praying for? Putin. You know who else we're supposed to be praying for? Biden. You know who else we're supposed to be praying for? Trump. You know who else we were supposed to be praying for? We were supposed to be praying for Obama. It doesn't matter whether you like them. It doesn't matter what your personal politics are. You know why? Because God is bigger than your problem, even if your problem is an authority. And the Bible sure tells us that God moves the hearts of kings in his hand. So if I pray for the authority, regardless of whether the authority is good, perhaps God will move on my behalf so that I might, according to this word, Lead a tranquil and quiet life. How awesome would it be instead of dogging Putin if we started praying for him, the Holy Spirit fall on him, he gets saved, the whole Russia situation dissolves into nothing, that becomes a Christian nation, and now we're all living in tranquility and peace. That's the benefit of praying for all men, all authorities at all times in all kinds of ways because we have to be devoted to prayer. Devotion to prayer understands its audience. Our audience is all prayers to all men. Amen? And when we pray all prayers to all men, we recognize, we begin to recognize our motivation for prayer. What is our motivation for, for prayer? Our prayers are motivated by the heart of God. So number two, I guess I didn't say it. Devoted prayer understands its motivation. 3B and 4 says this. God our Father who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why, why must we be devoted to prayer? Because our motivation has to be right. What is our motivation? Our motivation should look like God's motivation. And what is God's primary motivation? That all men be saved. All men be saved. Remember, I just told you, if Putin got saved, imagine if Putin got saved and Russia became a Christian nation. Now, Putin getting saved is not going to make Russia a Christian nation. God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to do that. But let me tell you, when a leader becomes a Christian, 
people start paying attention and the fruit that he produces begins to produce fruit in the lives of other people. And because of his influence, it will eventually become a peaceful, a peaceful Christian nation. But our motivation for devoted prayer is that all men be saved. Woo. We're the person, the people that God uses to accomplish that goal. Did you know that? Jesus Christ, of course, sacrificed. But did you know you're a kingdom of priests according to the word of God? You know what that means? That means you've been tasked with the ministry of reconciliation, which means that you're supposed to stand in the gap between the lost and Jesus, praying for them, interceding on their behalf so that they might come to know Jesus. That's possible. We get devoted to that. We get motivated to that. We want that. We chase after that, pursue that, as we understand that that is God's motive is to save all men. The motivation of God is to save. That's why he sent Jesus here in the first place, so that men, that all men through him might be saved. And so he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Ooh. So what do you have to do? You have to be devoted to pray for all men in all situations so that they might come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. I had a lady come up some time ago, come up here to the altar, and she was praying. She said, Pastor Jim, can you pray for my family member? My family member doesn't know Jesus. I was like, okay. I said, I'm going to pray, but you ain't going to like it. And she said, well, I, I just she looked at me confused. She said, I just came up here. Of course I like it. That's what I want you to do. I said, no, you want me to say something nice. I'm going to say something loving, and you ain't going to like it. <laughs> and so we pray, and my prayer sounds something like this. Lord, strip that young man down of everything that he has. Take everything from him. Remove his circles of influence. If it's necessary to take his own job from him so that he has no place to go, nothing to do, that he's completely turned over to where he only has you to lean on. Take whatever you have to from him. Up into including his health, but not his life. And that woman looked at me all crazy. She's all, I said, I told you you wouldn't like it. But if we're going to be serious about praying for people and have the heart that God has is that all men be saved, sometimes we have to pray those hard prayers, which means sometimes we have to pray hard prayers over people we love. And you know what happened? She came back the next week. Something crazy happened in that, guy's, in her, in that young man's life that stripped him of everything he had, and he gave his life to the Lord. And he's in church today. Yeah, because somebody's devoted to prayer. But it's just not Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim's prayers aren't magic. They're not special. They're just devoted. Your prayers should be devoted too. Amen? And that's good. I, I amen myself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Somebody got to do it. And number three. 
Devoted prayer understands its source. We pray. We pray out of the same motivation that God have us pray for, which is that all men be saved. But there's only one reason, one source by which all men are saved, and that is Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator between us and the Father. Hebrews 9.15 says, For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. A mediator, just so you know, is a go-between between two parties who are in disagreement. He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken the place for the redemption of the transgression that we're committed, that we're committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal sacrifice. What does all that say? All that says is that Jesus, through his sacrificial and atoning death, paid for you by shedding his own blood and mediated a relationship between two parties who were in disagreement, us and God, so that we would no longer be in disagreement but be in peace. We have to know the source of devoted prayer. The reason we can pray at all is because Jesus, have no right to the throne of God but that Jesus came and gave his life for us. The Bible says come confidently into the throne room. You know why we can come confidently? Because Jesus is our mediator. Because he died on the cross. He performed the work on the cross, was resurrected because he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Shouldn't we be willing to do the same for other people? My desire is that we have the heart of God and the sacrifice of Jesus in our own life. That means it's going to be uncomfortable. You know, devotion to prayer is uncomfortable. That's why we work on it. People say, I don't have time to pray. You have time to pray. You just don't. You had time to watch TV this morning. You'll have time to watch TV tonight. You had time to get on social media. Did you get up late? Did you stay up late? Did you get up early? You got time to pray. You just haven't prioritized time to pray. I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. I, I think it's amazing that we... We make time for those things that are important to us. Is the God that gave you salvation through his son, Christ Jesus, important enough to pray to so that other people can know the God that you know? Because when we're devoted to prayer, those people will come to know God. Until then, you know what's going to happen? We're going to walk outside of our building and be surrounded by shipwreck. That's not what God called us to be. God called us to be something else. Amen? Let's pray.